Welcome to the Recruiting Technology Podcast, where practitioners and veterans in the space bring you news and opinion to cover the ever-changing landscape of HR technology. Hi all, Jason here. This is an audio version of a Facebook Live event that took place at the very end of 2017. Uh, I think it was September of 2017. So uh, we thought it might be good to release it as a podcast. And here you go. So this week we're doing, we're going to do pipelining. Yes, uh, we're going to talk about pipelining and the fact that nobody actually does it. Um, and we don't know why. Actually, I do right. know why. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. And then um, first and foremost, uh, you have been at SourceCon this week. Um, yes. Yeah, I've, been, I've been in Asia, so I didn't get to go. But how was SourceCon? Okay, so SourceCon was pretty awesome. So, um, and, and I'm not just talking about, you know, seeing everybody and, and you know, the veterans showing up and all the, the, the hullabaloo afterwards that lasts from 4.30 until 4.30. But oh, um, not tough. that late. No one's that late. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I got in on Sunday and had a, had a great kickoff dinner. It was just really cool seeing, you know, the, the founders and the originators of SourceCon all kind of in one place. So you got Earl, you got, you know, you got Connie, you got, uh, you got, um, Rob and then you know and then everyone shows up right and so you got you know you know Shannon and Jeremy and all the editors are there um so everyone was kind of really enjoying the, the 10 years of goodness um yeah. that was SourceCon and there was a lot of discussion about you know we've come a, a come a long way and things have changed and I thought that that was I thought that the that talking to the legacy of SourceCon because it now has one um, was, was, was done really well. And so, you know, I, I, you know, as far as, um, you know, the kickoff was good, you know, Jim, you know, I saw Jim Stroud, right. So, so I saw saw your guy and, uh, he was great about throwing me on a podcast. And so we kind of went, he and I have a crazy podcast talking about whether or not Amazon is going to enter the talent space as a tech. Ah, you think? Maybe. I mean, they certainly, oh. why not? I mean, from a consumable perspective, they could to be determined later. You and I could talk about that another day. But uh, yeah, I, well, I think there's a I, I think there's a discussion to be had about the consumer expectations of of candidates and the fact that we're terrible at this. So the, the idea that um, I can get a uh, I can get a text on my phone when a package gets delivered. But uh, if I apply for a job, which is like my future Right. Um, I fall into a black hole. That's, that's not good. I mean, we, no. we kind of screwed that up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so, but, but Jim and I had a good conversation. I really liked how we opened up. So there was a great discussion with, um, all the editors moderate, uh, of, of SourceCon over the years, you know, so Lance and Shannon and Jeremy and others. And, uh, and then Rob kind of, Rob McIntosh opened up kind of saying, you know, he kind of went through this, the state of sourcing survey a bit and yeah. asked some questions about where we're going. Um, and I thought, I thought that was really good. It was a way to kind of open up um, and, and just talk about what, what is sourcing almost. It was almost yeah. that kind of conversation. Like, can we define it? I thought it was interesting as I'm listening in the audience about how there's just even people say, well, that's not really sourcing or people are like, oh yes, that's absolutely what sourcing is. So it, 
Right, because some people are still full life cycle recruiters. And so the question is, is, you know, some people are passing to managers while some people are passing to recruiters. Right. 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 And so the partnership difference seems to be a pretty big difference because in some cases there's more screening and almost pseudo interviewing going on by those who source, right? Because what they're doing is they're kind of either doing it for the recruiter or they're doing it for the manager, right? While some are just, no, no, hardcore research and, 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 you know, so that that kind of set a tone for me, and then I think. So what is what is sourcing? The other big highlight, and I had to jam out. Or is it just like writing boolean strings? Like what is sort? Like where do you draw that line? So so I'll say that we didn't. I didn't hear a lot talking about that. Sourcers are responsible for inbound marketing, so they're not responsible for necessarily creating a bunch of campaigns with messaging that goes out in an organized way in a recruitment marketing tool. There were people walking around who clearly did that work, but a lot of it seemed more hacking oriented, right? Which was getting out there, going through LinkedIn, using extensions, finding people, trying to figure out a way to get them to respond to you. So you could say, I got a gig or I might have a gig or I want to know you. Right. But I didn't hear a lot about sourcing also equals you need to do recruitment marketing and, and own campaigns and hope people come. Well, that did not seem like the crowd. That crowd wasn't, if there was a crowd there like that. I didn't see it. Yeah. So does that's disappointing that if it's only top of funnel, I think sourcing might be dead in that case. I, I think that um, like the, the problem we have right now that I'm looking at is that, we have the campaign capability. This actually takes us into pipelining really nicely, right. which is our core topic. Um, we have the campaigning capability. We have CRMs that exist, but who does that work? Who's the person that writes the drip marketing campaign has compelling messages like a sales guy does where after you don't respond to message with subject line, a, uh, we wait, you know, 48 hours and send you a message with subject line, subject line B. We're trying to get you to respond to a specific call to action, which right. could be, tell me more about you. Uh, I, I, I don't know enough, or it could be engage with me because I think you're a good fit and I want to, to set you up for an interview. Who is the person that builds out those drip marketing campaigns, drops them in and interacts with the existing database if the sourcers aren't going to do it? Yeah, I, you know, I don't, for me, I mean, it it is kind of this, we have not defined who's going to do all those actions, right? And there isn't a silver bullet, right? There isn't a silver bullet. I think inside, you know, remember at SourceCon, we've got a group, right? So we've got some people who are RPO oriented. So there's a couple people walking around and they're kind of doing mass. They're they're a sourcer at uh, an RPO. And then there was a number of people who were agency oriented, right? So there oh, were, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I ran into a lot of people who own a search firm, right? Or they're an associate at a search firm. They're there to get training, right? Yeah. Then there's another group. Then there was the corporate, someone who is part of a corporate human resource department. They may not like it, but that's where the headcount sits, right? Yep. And they are a sourcer, right? 
and they're working with a recruiter or they're working with HR to kind of find people. And then the other groups that was there were people who work in staffing. A lot of IT staffing companies that are on contingent labor and they're just trying to find more people, right? So they're sourcing for contractors basically, right? Yeah. So, so when you think about that and people saying, I'm not going to do the brand work. Well, the agencies aren't going to do the brand work naturally. The, I, the, the, the contingent labor organizations or the staffing companies, they're not going to do the brand work naturally. It's very unusual. And right. in some cases, RPO, unless you're really embedded, if it's just resource augmentation, you're probably not doing it either. And so mm-hmm. why would a sourcer be the one to make up the landing pages, landing pages in Clinch, Smashfly, Avature, whoever, if that's not their, you know, it's somebody else is doing that. Um, well, because they're the, they're the ones, so the landing pages become the entry point to a talent community, right? Or you know, it, it's, we say talent community, it's like a, it's really a talent pools more than anything else. That's what the landing pages are supposed to do. So if you have them, I say talent pools because community uh, infers that there's some level of interaction between uh, community members. And most of these things, there's not, right? We have yeah, yeah, yeah. pools of candidates that, that we have coming in. So um, we have these talent pools that it's the way that we're, we're collecting and interacting with candidates. It's a thing we've been talking about for, for years and years and years. Forever. That's very much sourcing, right? That's been the, the sourcing talent community, blah, blah, blah. And we've talked about cultivating these relationships with people over a period of time and how good sorcerers have their sort of Rolodex of people they cultivate. So if you're doing that, then if you and you've got this cultivated talent pool, the way that you activate that pool is through marketing messaging of some sort where you're going out and tapping them in order to say, come back in. Right. Now, what I'll say is nobody's doing it. Nobody does it and nobody does it well. So, so I agree with you. I think that what we've got is we've got awesome vendor smoke yeah. <laughs> in the market. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying it out loud on TV or whatever we're on. It's smoke, right? Because yeah. what we got is we got pockets of it. So somebody might say we're really, really good at this and they do it for veteran hiring for frontline supervisors in the East region. Right. right? They yeah. don't do it globally. They don't do it for everything. That's fine. No one's saying you need to do it, but, but I'm always defining pipelining as, how I think it's pipelining when the management teams, the, the leadership teams, the frontline supervisors, the hiring managers, that group, when they're involved, it's pipelining. If they're not involved, just kind of data management. Well, so Brad Cook had a, um, had a presentation. I can't remember where it was. Uh, I think it might have been the last source con i was at it was some conference i was at recently and he was presenting on the zero days uh zero day time to fill yeah he's been talking about that a long time i like that one right so he did he he rehashed the old school very recently and uh, i'm sitting in there and i'm thinking i know we've been talking about this for about 10 years and i know it hasn't ever been done like i used to work for brad and we talked about it like way back then 
And uh, we, we hadn't done it because what you have to do is you have to pipeline and you have to go find candidates before the job opens. Right? That's right. Somebody has, you have to have some level of confidence that you know a job is coming. And then once you have confidence that you know the job is coming, you have to go and find talent that's relevant to that job. Uh, the, there's a problem inherent in the concept of pipeline, though, and it's this. We all work in organizations that want to be lean, right? People are, are always kaizening the crap out of this thing. Right. And uh, pipelining has inherent waste. It is an incredibly wasteful process. It, uh, it, it, yeah. And so, so I've done, I did, a, I, did a pipe, I did what I consider a pipelining project for about 18 months. Mm -hmm. And did it a few years ago. It was really hard. Um, And and what we sold on is we have a CFO and a major conglomerate, right? So they had about, oh, I don't know, maybe like a couple thousand people across like 100,000 people who were in the finance department, right? So big, big organization. Yep. And the CFO, you know, sits down with all of, you know, his or her CFOs and says, I think we need to start thinking differently about how we bring in talent to the business. Good, good conversation to have, right? I yeah. want to start looking at our competitors and I want us to kind of look at the talent regularly. How do we do that? You know, and so then, you know, HR says, Oh, well, you know, we can post jobs and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, that ain't it. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. Hmm. And so what we designed was a program where literally the controllers and directors of FPNA would review profiles of candidates on a regular basis that had not been reached out to by the business yet and say, let's talk about the kind of people we want to bring into the organization. And once they went ahead and said, I like this group. And by the way, there was a monthly meeting where it happened. It was fast. It was literally like, let's look at some profiles and see what we want to try to do the recruiters would then try to set up a casual conversation with the hiring manager, like over coffee Hmm. with the person and say, look, I'm a CFO of this division. I'm always trying to, you know, know more people in the, you know, get to network with people, understand what people like, you know, would you like to, you know, just get together and just talk, talk business, just talk about career. I'm happy to do that. And, you know, maybe that, that means something for us. Maybe it doesn't. And literally, each, like, controller had 15 to 20 people they were nurturing over a period of a year. Huh. And, they, and the controllers were willing to spend the time on that. What they would do is we would set up, like, the meet and greets. And we would say, look, just meet somebody. They're a little bit junior. Because if they, what we learned is that they had to be, like, two steps below, Right is that they couldn't be like someone reporting to the controller because that felt like a hire. It had to be someone who was like an analyst. Uh, And so then what would happen is the controller would like have like a handful of like Starbucks meetings, like a quarter, and they would be talking with someone. So they're all making like, you know, two, whatever, you know, 200,000 plus. The financial analysts were all like hotshot MBAs that were probably still in their first rotational gig. And now they're getting to know like someone who's like a controller at a big fortune 100. And so we say, why don't you meet with them? They're always looking for good young talent. They want to mentor some people. They want to help out. Why don't you take a career conversation over coffee? They'll talk to you, you know, 
And if you like them, you have another conversation on your own, right? Right. Wow. There was so much work involved in hurting the freaking cats. It was right. because, one, it was on How many tires? How many butts in seat did you end up oh, with? Okay, so that was, was really cool is that so what we did is we looked at – so we had to do workforce planning, right? And so we started with North America, and we said we think we're going to have about 30 movement, 30 moves okay. in the year, right? And of that, a percentage were going to be naturally promoted, and then some were just going to react to the market, right, because we're probably market rich. So we ended up getting eight hires out of the 30 that way. Not bad. And they, were and they were so fast, right? They were ridiculously fast because, because what we did is we kind of started making sure that we started, in, you know, we knew, like, when the bonus payouts were of, each of, of everybody, mm. right? You knew, like, their calendar cycle. So what would happen, so what was weird is of the eight hires that we got, and this is a lot of work, of the eight hires that we got, what ended up happening is not all of them came from the people who we networked with. Hmm. A lot of it came from the controller asking the person they were kind of mentoring. Who do you know? Who do you know? Yeah. And then the other ones, then we escalated a bunch of hires that were like, oh, we're going to promote John. And then, you know, we, we learned a little bit that, oh, okay, maybe we don't want a pipeline underneath the analyst role. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But it, it was an interesting activity. Um, and at the end, you know, we kind of said, well, are we going to blow this out? And, and what ended up happening is people said, this was really awesome, but it really took a lot of work. Yeah. And the question is, is would we have gotten different talent? And I think for them, my, my, my gut was, I think you're big enough of a brand to probably attract this talent in the time it would, in, in a timeline that you probably wouldn't see a Delta. I don't yeah. think, I, I don't think that we're going to get better four years out of MBA talent because we do this, I think we will find your brand is big enough that you'll naturally attract them using the tools that you have referrals and so on. I'm not convinced that we should expand the program because your brand is strong enough to outstand the effort. Yeah. Right. Well, it makes sense. So it does. So here's, that's, that's the, the crux of the issue, right? So unless there's automation, which some of the tools have now, Right. Um, cultivating that talent uh, is is hard. So keeping them fresh. The the problem is that the the people that you find and and bring into the pipeline, uh, they're a perishable resource, right? So it's sort of like um, here's my analogy. This is this might be a super late at night in the middle of Asia analogy. Right, analogy. Yeah. By the way, Jason's in the middle of Asia right now. I'm in North America. That's why he's dark. He's not weird. He's just it's nice. Yeah, I'm I'm not uh, not a weird uh, night owl. But uh, here we go. So if you're cultivating this talent, it's uh, it's sort of like you're uh, you're finding lettuce. You're gonna go and you've got to have lettuce, and lettuce is a perishable item. You have to have refrigeration. And you're stocking shelves, basically, and you're a grocery store here, and, and you're, you're recruiting your grocery store. And the thing that you're, you're, uh, you're stocking is lettuce. It needs uh, some refrigeration. It's going to go bad really quickly. Um, it's not going to be useful after a, a very short period of time. It's not like cereal boxes 
where you go and you find people, you stick them on the shelf, and, and as soon as you want that, that cereal, you pull it off. No, you've got a very short amount of time to, to get that, that person from, I found you, I think you're interesting, into here's your job. Before they disappear, they go bad, they're not useful anymore. And the, the idea of a CRM basically was refrigeration right? It's a way right. to, to kind of keep those candidates fresh. But back to what we were talking about before, you do that with this whole candidate pooling concept and marketing messaging in order to cultivate and the idea that you're sending them interesting content that, that you've created that will keep them engaged with your brand over a longer period of time until your job is available or until you've built enough interest from that person to, to get them engaged. But what's going to happen is you're going to have a ton of waste and a ton of spoilage because these people will find other jobs or they won't be grumpy about their manager for uh, forever and won't be willing to change from their current job. So there, there's, there are windows of time when candidates are viable and they go in and out of those windows based on how they feel about their current situation. Right. right. And it is, it is, it is a mood oriented motive. It is mood oriented motivation. Right. Yeah. So I feel good today. Thereby, I don't want to move my job versus whatever. And I think that that's what we don't track. Right. So I agree. I, I, I don't think I think pipelining has a place for volume jobs in your mm-hmm. in a brand that is probably underinvested in its own consumer oriented employment or employment brand messaging. So if you're unknown. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you and, and, and you've got a bunch of trade skill jobs or frontline supervision jobs or mid management jobs that really you have tr- trouble doing. I would say, OK, what's the recruiting that we're going to do to reduce the time, increase quality? It's not necessarily going to be reactionary. And oh, by the way, maybe that just means you being a good LinkedIn networker or just a good networker. Right. Well, the other alternative there's an alternative to this. There's an alternative to pipelining because if you're looking for just in time or reducing the time that it takes to find candidates for a, for a job, there's two ways you can do it. You're putting in work, you're putting in effort to find candidates and pipelining means you put in the effort early so that the, once the job opens, the time from job open to candidate to fill the job is short, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's lots of work being done. The other alternative to that is brute force. Job opens, you put in just as much work, but you do it with six sourcers. Right, right? you SWAT you, team it. Right, you just, yeah. yeah. And, exactly. and so I, I, I look at, you're right. I mean, and, and so you've used a SWAT team approach. I've used a SWAT team approach. It's like when we have to sit down and kill it, someone, you get like four people together or you, you call up somebody and say, can you SWAT team this? The juice is yeah. worth the squeeze for us. And you know, what's interesting about pipelining and you can follow the financials on this is pipelining is a particular investment where you're not quite convinced what the ROI will be longer term. Right. So I have to fund it and then get a return on the funding. Yeah. In a vacancy, if the job is vacant, I've got, payroll and labor expense that can be reallocated towards the hire. Oh yeah, that's true. true. So, so as a leader, you know, so, so 
I'm not going over everybody's head here, hopefully. As a recruiter, you're like, I just want the work. But if I got to hire 100 people as the head of manufacturing in my business, I don't want to have to fund pipelining activity. I'm under the impression I'll have some vacancy through the year where I can allocate that budget to the hire itself. And so, yeah, I can get it early or I could let the thing vacate for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, naturally. And the person's earning 3000 you know, cost of business $4,000 a week. Well, in one month, I got $16,000 I can push towards a search. That's true. And, and we don't think that way naturally unless you're, unless yeah. you're managing a P&L. But when we look at it historically, that's where the money is. Right. And for me to do a – I mean, I'll tell you, the pipelining program that we had – I mean, that thing was north of 30000 a month, plus, yeah. plus manager time. Right. So, so higher. And so For you look higher. at that, right, so you look at that and you say 360000 bucks for the eight hires, right? Yeah. Now, people will say, we feel, now, now, by the way, all those people have stayed, right? right. And all those people got promoted. So okay. really good. Those are good results. But when we, but the reason we close the program is because this is, I, I just don't think, I think you can probably get as good a talent for less. Right. Because the manager's time was worth more. It wasn't the cash. The cash was the cash, right? Yeah. That's, but still, dude, that's $45,000 a higher. For for like analyst level hires, that is right. that is that's a lot of scratch. Right, and now now now, and the the justification was we were screening other candidates along the way, right? Right, saying no on that person, no on that person, no on that person. So you were so when you look at it on a per hire basis, it's high. When you look on it on a per screening basis, it was low. Right. Yeah, I think. And I think that makes sense. And as a, as an experiment, it might be valuable and you may be hiring particularly good people. So maybe that's, that's a, a, a good way right. to do the it. The other thing is, so the other offset was, is we also in this particular program, no relocation allowed. Uh, yeah. And no sign-ons allowed. Right. So, so what we did is we justified the expense because they were always local. Cause we, how else would you do like the Starbucks meeting? Right. Of course. You're always meeting with local people who could work at the place right away. And we were targeting them. So we would reduce the sign on coming in. Yep. So the 300 and some thousand dollars we spent really skirted twice that, right? Because usually you were bringing in mid-level people who were making like a hundred and some thousand dollars a year. You'd have to move them in. Your relocation expense might've been 60,000 just to move them. So back to the, the brute force model. Yeah. So if you're going to exert effort, right? So say you start work four weeks in advance because you're, you've got a pipeline, you, you go and you build this pipeline over a period of time and eventually you, you hire somebody. Right. If you do it brute force and you have to find somebody in one week, but you use four recruiters to do it, you're still ex- exerting four man, out, man weeks of work. Right. So 160 hours, 100, 200 hours is burned. Right. Yeah. No matter what, either way 
you're burning the same number of hours and the, the same cash outlay for that. Now, the brute force version, uh, what ends up happening is you, you're, you're finding those candidates, you're finding the same number of candidates ostensibly, I would hope so, uh, during that time. You find the same number of candidates, and in the end, you, uh, you have a job specifically ready for them immediately. So right. no, li- very little waste in, the, in that process. Oh, and, and by the way, never mind the fact that if you do it right, you probably have pulled in somebody from a referral, somebody internally or familiar, right? And then you might have already pulled in somebody who just came in inbound oriented, right? They saw the job, they liked it, they, they came in. And, and now what, and so we tend to look at pipelining where we have choices of candidates. When we yep. do brute force or we're just letting our inbound work, you know, hey, let's do a campaign and get people come in real fast. All we probably need is one. Yeah. Maybe two. And you can force the manager to say, I don't need you interviewing five people. This is a tough wreck. Interview two, interview three, right? When is is pipelining useful in in this case, right? So you've got uh, uh, brute force that works better most of the time because you have less waste. Um, The the question is, when would you do pipelining? When is it valuable? I have an idea. Okay, so so one of the places I've used it is in retail, in store openings. Okay. okay. I can see that you, know, you have a date. In, I've got a date. Right. I got a date. I've got a plan of 30 store. So real life scenario, 30 store openings across yeah. maybe like four or five different times. Uh, let's say four time zones. Right. Okay. And so you know when the schedule is. And so the concept was, is you would do research and then pipelining and initial outreach to retail management in those regions well ahead of time so you yeah. could just pitch them right yeah but, but that's a pretty specific set of needs so the other time i think is when time to fill is the hot commodity like when when you have a, a situation where uh downtime in a position not having a person in a role is uh impacts critical path for the company right and zero days to fill is worth the extra effort and the extra waste. You just right. know that it's going to be 10 times more expensive than, uh, than a normal 30 or 45 day time to fill. And it's, it's basically external succession planning at that point. Exactly. Right? So, so at, you know, so, so there's those handful of roles. So you've got manufacturing customers, we've got them too. Right. So key, key roles in safety or compliance or quality where you actually have fines that might be mandated by not having somebody on site with those credentials, right? Even those engineer guys, the, the uh, skilled hourly, the mechanics that are there, the the guys who keep the machines going so everybody else can do their job. Right. Yeah. You you need a plan that it's one thing when, when, when Susie calls out because she's sick, you've got that plan. You need the one that says, what happens if Susie goes ahead and wins the lottery, right? right. And, and it, it could be we escalate this person or we have a contractor who comes in and, or we have to do full-time hiring. And Oh, by the way, if you're not looking at contingent labor as a possibility associated with pipelining, I think it's a miss. Right. I, I agree. That important. It should be that important that you need, you, that, oh, we need a contractor. Great. 
we'll pay a premium until we find somebody. It should be that well, see, level of importance. This, that's what we're starting to have people talk, talk about uh, more frequently. So in, in my world, we talk total talent architecture. Right. The right. idea that, uh, that we'll have a talent advisor sit down and talk about, uh, does it make sense for you to hire a full-timer or a, or a, or a contractor? And when do those things make sense? It makes it may make more sense to instead of spending all the extra time and effort and expense of building a, a pipeline and keeping that pipeline warm or fresh or whatever you call it, um, it may make more sense to have contingent uh, backups ready to go. Right. right? Do you have a freelance group. Do you have talent pools set aside on the contingent space where those things you pull the trigger and those those people start working in a week. They're there, they're there in a week. There's only about a 15% premium on them. And yep. if your MSP and your staffing organizations have done what they're supposed to do, you can go ahead and do a conversion rate. If they're really, if they turn out the conversion fee somewhere between a few thousand to a dozen, you know, to 10,000 bucks. Yeah. And you start looking at the overall expenses associated with contingent labor to, to just a conversion. If that's what ends up happening. And it's negligible. Oh, by the way, if you had to have a contractor and then you use brute force to get the job filled 60 days from now, yep. well, you, you probably only need one or two candidates. So Four, you're overall expense. I just think that we try to use pipelining as a weird way to plug a hole in, a, like in, a, in the oddest way possible. It, yeah, it's not, it's not the end-all, be-all. There are some really niche spots where it makes sense. Right. I think the, the time-to-fill problem, if you've got one where you, you need zero time-to-fill because you can't have the factory go down, that makes sense. The other one that makes sense to me is if there's a skill where there's like five people in the world that do this. Right. Like if you're, if you're hiring nuclear chemists, then yeah, there's, there's, a, there's only a few of those. So well, everyone in the world is. I'll bring it back to SourceCon. Somebody asked me, so we were having a purple squirrel conversation over dinner, right? Yeah. And, and they said, what well, were the hardest ones that you've ever seen? And I, and I said, well, that's easy. Nuclear regulatory manager in Metropolis, Illinois, and then 50 CNC machinists. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? Metropolis, Illinois, I would live there. Yeah. Just, well, I know, just, I know you would live Metropolis. there. Right if across somebody from asked me to move to Metropolis, Illinois today, I would say, yes. Did you know that Metropolis, Illinois, has their their uh, local newspaper? You know what it's called? What the Daily Planet? The Daily Planet. It is. You know who the editor is? Who's the Perry editor? White? Perry what? White. Perry White. No, that's ridiculous. Yes. I have a business card uh, from the Daily Planet with Perry White as the editor from Metropolis, Illinois. <laughs> but, but that position, right? That position was actually someone who was a, a regulatory manager who had to like have a government clearance to actually work with depleted uranium. There's like 20 people on the planet who've got that in the United States. We're allowed to have that, right? There's we're allowed to have it. So, to so yes, if you were able to hack that and then keep a list, yeah, don't throw the list away. <laughs> now, do I need to necessarily like talk to them every week? Probably not. Just manage the data and then if, if so-and-so wins the lottery, you call up three of them. You're like, hey, man, I got a job. How much does it take to get you here? I need you here tomorrow. In fact, if you talk to those people every week, you, you'd end up on a list of some sort. 
Right. That's the worst case scenario is you piss them off. <laughs> yes. Like, well, no, I'm, I'm thinking like there's some government person saying, why are you talking to all the people who have access to the nuclear material? <laughs> why is that happening? <laughs> right. It's like I, had, I was like, I remember when I was doing the work, I'm like, I'm not going to use my cell phone. This is a long time ago. I'm like, yeah. landlines, landlines only. <laughs> nice. Very nice. All right, so we're yeah. at, we're at 38 minutes, man. We're over. Uh, we are. So well, let's are we wrap it up. So, so basically we're saying uh, larger events where we know we can get ahead of it. We've got deadlines. That's the use for it. Time to fill has to be zero. Otherwise there's probably real repercussions. Right. You know, or incredibly niche skill sets. Very, very few people exist who, who, uh, who fit that skill. Pipeline may, makes sense in that, in that space. Right. Right. We never want to get rid of the research because it was so hard right. to get. Right. Right. Otherwise, be a good hunter. Buy them quick. Go, 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 go to the grocery store. Pick up the berries there. You know, they'll be there. <laughs> right. Go join the anonymous track at SourceCon. Wear your mask. Let's wear your masks. All right. Yeah, go check out good. SourceCon, everybody. It was a great time. Um, and check out the photos with the masks. That was fun. Um, what are we going to do next week? We figured that out. No, but I think we need to get back to our normal Friday schedule next week since uh, we're not traveling anymore. Yeah, yeah so, so I, think, I think Friday. Well, no, we're going to do Friday next week. And then the following week, you and I might do it live from HR Tech. That might be fun. Yeah, I look forward to that. 